Well, this morning we're going to continue our conversation that actually began in January as we have been asking this question, why do things matter and uh, why does it matter is our theme for the year. And for August, our conversation centers around the supernatural. Why does it matter? And you know that when we've been in this conversation already, discussing the supernatural, what I wanted to have at the forefront of your minds is just the Holy Spirit of God and his work in our world. And what we've been doing is we've been reading the Gospel of John together as a church family. And if uh, you haven't found your way yet to the daily Bible readings, I hope you have. As I shared with you already, uh, you can find them on the church app if you have that on your phone. Or you can go to our website, uh, fpca.org, and you can go to the tab that says Learn, and click on that tab, and it will give you the daily Bible readings. And we're making our way through the Gospel of John. As I was just reading and praying through our daily Bible readings this week and preparing for today, I I was reading uh, Dr. Bill Hull's commentary on John, and uh, he wrote the uh, the commentary on John in the the old Broadman Bible Commentary. Some of you may be familiar with it. It's been around for a long time. But here's what uh, we call him Dean Hall because he was dean of the School of Theology at Louisville at Southern Seminary. But here's what Dean Hall says: The Gospel of John is at once the easiest and hardest book in the Bible to understand. I love that. <laughs> Here, simplicity and sublimity are inseparably united. Theology has been put into monosyllables, yet they express one of the most breathtaking visions of ultimate reality to be found in Scripture. What a great word about the Gospel of John. Word, world, <clears throat> birth, spirit, the, the, these one word uh, that, that are used by John, this vocabulary that is just so dense theologically. And so we've been, we've been reading together. Uh, I hope you've been engaged in the reading. This week, we've encountered the supernatural in our daily Bible readings. John 6 through 10 is what we read this past week. And in that text, um, there are numerous miracles. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Uh, Jesus walks on water. In John 8, Jesus says, I'm not of this world. I'm from above and, and then he starts talking about Abraham and how Abraham loved to know about all of this. And, and then you find in John 8, verse 52, verse 52, the Pharisees say, you obviously are demon-possessed. Um, just a word about the supernatural from their perspective about Jesus. And then Jesus makes this comment about Abraham, and they say to him, you're... You're not even 40 years old. What do you know about Abraham? And then Jesus makes that famous statement in John 8, verse 58. Before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> then you come to John 10, and Jesus continues to challenge them in their understanding of who he is. And once again, in John 10, verse 20, they say, this man is demon-possessed. So these folks were very comfortable with the supernatural, and they even connected Jesus to the supernatural, <laughs> but they thought he was a part of the forces of darkness. Well, now we come to this text, 
John 14, 15, 16, and 17. This powerful teaching from Jesus, particularly regarding the Holy Spirit. And when we get to the text that you and I are going to look at here in just a minute in John 16, um, these, these disciples are hearing some hard words from Jesus. He tells them, I'm about to leave you. Well, that's the last thing they want. And then he says, now they're going to be putting you out of the synagogues and killing you. So <laughs> this, this is not, the, these folks are waiting on him to establish the kingdom of God on earth. And this is his message to them. And they're grieved. And Jesus acknowledges their grief and their confusion. And that leads us to our text today, the Holy Spirit at work in this world. And the text for us is found in John 16. We're going to begin reading in verse 7. And uh, it's our tradition to honor the Lord Jesus when we read his gospels by standing. So if you're able, we invite you to. And hear these words from Jesus. But very truly, I tell you, now remember, whenever you have very truly in the NIV, that's your clue that in Greek, it is amen, amen. It's the, remember that, we've talked about that. It's the repetition of those two words, okay? So, but amen, amen, I tell you. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Thank you. You may be seated. So this morning, I, I want us to consider this question. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is doing in the world today. Because this text is about the work of the Holy Spirit in the world. And then at the end of the text, a brief word about his work in us who are currently in the world. So if someone were to ask you, so do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Yes. What's the Holy Spirit doing right now? Well, he's at work in the world. That's what Jesus says. Why? Well, I believe the text teaches us something that we probably already know. Our world's views of sin, righteousness, and judgment are skewed. Do I have to prove that? Our world that we live in, particularly the American culture, the views that People have about sin, about righteousness, about judgment. They're skewed. Well, the research about what's happening in the West, primarily in the American church, it shouldn't surprise us. What's happening in our, in our nation? You know, the, the, the Pew Forum, they do a lot of research on, 
kind of the spiritual state of Americans. Here's what they've told us. They've created a new category of people because they just didn't know what to call these people. And so they've come up with the word nuns. Now, I'm not talking about like nuns. I'm talking nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Y'all familiar with this? 29% of American adults today classify themselves as nuns. In other words, when they are asked, what is your religious affiliation? 29% of Americans now say, I have none. Does that make sense? They're called the nuns. Well, there's a sociologist who works at Hope College who has been doing some research on a whole nother group of people. He calls them the duns. They're the people that have left their faith. And according to their testimony, they are done. That number is hard right now to get an actual, assign a number to it. But what this researcher and others who've joined him, Christianity Today has, a, has published numerous articles about it. There's a lot of research being done around those people who just say, I'm done with the church. Recently, Christianity Today has published some more research on another category of people called the ums. They are not done. They're not none. They're just hmm. So they're called the ums. Meanwhile, while you have all that going on, you have just an incredibly increasing number of secularists in our society who just have no connection at all and maybe perhaps never have had with anything religious. And so think about what's happening in our society. When you look at our culture today, here in, in America in particular, there's, there's no truth, there's no standard, there's no real sense of accountability, and it just feels like we're off the rails. Does it feel that way to you? Pick a topic. Uh, tell me what you believe about marriage. Well, what do you mean by marriage? You know, marriage. Well, what do you mean by marriage? I mean marriage. Well, guess what? We now have to decide which dictionary you're using for us to even have a conversation. What do you believe about gender? What do you mean about gender? Well, what I mean is, are you male or female? I, I saw the other day where the, where the latest pickup line in a bar is now, have you always been a woman? <clears throat> well, so, and, I, and I'm not really poking fun. The point is, look at how much confusion has been created when, when you just pull the foundation out and now it's like, it feels like all bets are off. Does it feel that way to y'all? Just like, well, what is truth? Well, who decides that anymore? Well, what is righteous? Well, it depends on, on your perspective. Well, is there going to be any kind of judgment? I don't think so. You know, I, th I think you just need to do what's right within yourself. And so it feels like things are just off the rails. And so when you start talking about things like sin or righteousness or judgment, it's hard to have that conversation. And yet I think people still are interested in that conversation. And so when I look at what, what the Bible says, here, here's the word of, I think, of truth for us this morning as Christians. I, I want to make sure we all know the Holy Spirit is not asleep at the wheel. Okay? The Holy Spirit clarifies, he convinces, 
and he corrects. That's what he's always done. Jesus makes that promise to us. Look, look, look at verse 8 in John 16. If you, just, if you still have your Bible open, it says, When he comes, he will prove alencho. Alenko, really, I guess is the way you pronounce that in Greek, is that word. He will, the new NIV says he will prove. Alenko, that word's used 17 times in the Greek New Testament. Okay? And, and it can mean several things, but at the heart of it, the core meaning of that word has the idea of expose and demonstrate. And so, what will the Holy Spirit do? Well, he's going to expose. He, he, he's, going to, he's going to demonstrate. In his commentary on John, Dean Hull, who I read just a moment ago, he says the way he looks at that word, he likes to say the Holy Spirit is clarifying, he's convincing, he's correcting. So that's where I got that language from. I think any of those words actually would translate this word, and I think it actually would need all of them. Because what he's doing is he is convincing people. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He clarifies who Jesus is and what it means to be saved, what it means to have a relationship with God. He, he convinces people. He then corrects people. He, he brings things to mind. And he works in the conscience of human beings. And he's at work in our world right now. And guess what? He's doing exactly what Jesus said he would do. Here's the challenge you and I face. We're so dominated by what's happening in our nation, and we are driven now by, a, by a, a, a news entity that seems to be more infatuated with viewership than actually news and perspective, and it makes it really difficult. And so remember how I've shared with y'all already, I know that we all watch these various news outlets, and we all kind of pick our flavor. It's CNN, or it's MSNBC, or Fox News, or whatever it may be. What I wish we were all watching is the HNN, the Heavenly News Network, that we could be clued in on what God is actually doing. So I just want to encourage you this morning. I want to give you an update from HNN. Can I do that? Because I want you to know that the Holy Spirit right now is doing exactly what God said he would do through Jesus in this very text. You and I just may not be sensing it or seeing it. But right now, the Spirit of God is at work. Um, recently, um, I've been reading through the, um, the status of global Christianity. And it is a report that's put out annually by the uh, Center for Global Christianity at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. I want to give you some encouraging news so that you can understand together, we all can understand, the Holy Spirit is working right now. Do you know that religion across the world is not on the demise? Religion across the world is actually increasing, not decreasing. There are fewer atheists today worldwide than there were in 1970. In spite of what we're seeing in our nation and some of the challenges that we're experiencing, here's what I want you to know. According to the latest research, Christianity is growing. As a matter of fact, there are about 2.6 billion Christians in the world today. By the year 2050, if we continue to grow at that rate, that'll be over almost 3.5 billion. Christianity is growing around the world at a faster clip than any other world religion. Do you know that uh, 
Pentecostalism is booming across the world. Assemblies of God churches are booming across the world. Do you know that in 1900, there were less than 1 million Pentecostals. By the year 2050, the estimates are there will be more than 1 billion Pentecostals. Think about that. Um, the, the Christianity is growing in places like Africa and Asia. In the year 2000, there were 814 million Christians in Europe and North America and 660 million Christians in Africa and Asia. 23 years later, that has flipped. In other words, when we made our way into the year 2000, North America and Europe dominated the Christian family. That is no longer true. 23 years later, 838 million Christians live in the global north. 1.1 billion Christians now live in Africa or Asia. In 1900, twice as many Christians lived in Europe than the rest of the world. Today, more Christians live in Africa than any other continent. In fact, as Christianity continues to grow, Africa, Latin America, and Asia will completely eclipse Christianity in Europe and North America. It is growing not just in numbers. Christianity is growing in places where Christianity historically has not grown. Do you know that um, in 1900, 95% of all Christians lived in nations that were predominantly Christian? Today, that number has fallen to 53%. In other words, 47% of Christians all over the world now live in places where Christianity is not the major religion. In other words, Christianity has penetrated many, many places across the world where we weren't even present in 1900. So in the last 100 years, Christianity has enveloped the world. There will be over 93 million Bibles printed this year alone. It is the number one printed, read, distributed book in the history of the world. Nothing else even comes in second. There's nothing even close. You can't even have a conversation about it. It's the Bible and then everything else. In other words, what's happening right now, whether you and I realize it or not, is across the world, in places like Africa and Asia, Christianity is taking hold and taking root in unprecedented ways. You know why? Because the Spirit of God is at work in this world. He is clarifying, convincing, correcting. He is leading people to faith in Christ. I should not be surprised by that. I'm a Christian. You know, years ago, um, our work in Africa, it didn't start in Sierra Leone. It started in another nation in West Africa. And we, Cindy was leading a team there. And we were just doing some exploratory work, praying for God to show us where he's working. And so we had a couple of folks that Cindy had, after working with the missionaries there, they said, look, we've been here 10 years and there have been no converts in this whole region. We don't even know who all's there. Could you send a couple of people out just to see what's going on? We know nothing about it. So Cindy sent two of these folks. One of them was a member of our church. He and one of his friends. And so they have a little satellite phone. They go out to this little area and they find this group of Fulani villages. And when it's time to come back to the, to the city, they have a translator with them. And Cindy told them, if you ever gather a group of Africans together, tell them a story because that's how they learn. It's an oral culture. Practice these stories. So they had practiced the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. And so one of your church members and his friend several years ago is waiting on this truck to pick them up with their translator and a group of African men are gathered around them. Some of them 
very puzzled by, by why two white men are standing beside this road. So they all gather around them. And they say to each other, we need to tell a story. So they get out some little straw, get their matches, and they tell the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. And when it comes time to light the fire, when Elijah did that, well, they light the fire and they tell the story how fire came down from heaven and consumed and, and God spoke and it was a powerful miracle. Then they ask the question to this group of African men, any of y'all have any questions about that story? One of the men raised his hand and through the translator said, can you tell me how to follow the Jesus way? They had not mentioned Jesus. They had told the story of Elijah. In other words, that was one of those moments where you go, oh, I guess the Holy Spirit must be working here. Uh, duh. <laughs> and so we started working there in very hard place. I was talking about it with Cindy this morning. Our missionaries that we sent there, we brought them home. They're not there anymore. So now we work with an African missionary who lives there. He's a Fulani. We have 66 believers who've come to faith in Christ in that little area there now. We've got preaching points established. The chief's son has come to faith in Christ. I have visited with him numerous times. The imam, the local imam in the village is on the verge of becoming a believer. You know what's happening in places like that? The Holy Spirit of God is at work. Don't be surprised by it. And don't be fooled into thinking that he's asleep at the wheel and everything's falling apart. It's not. I promise you, the Spirit of God's at work in this world. Now, he's also at work in you, and you know that. And so Jesus just offers us this, this comment, this brief comment, but it's powerful, and we don't have time to get into it this morning. But just know this, the Holy Spirit guides us into truth and he always glorifies Jesus. I can promise you, he always does. So the Spirit of God, Jesus says this, the Spirit of truth, when he comes now, he's gonna show you some things because what I need to tell you right now, you can't even take it because it's just too much. There's just, there's, just, there's just too much. But the Spirit's going to come and he will walk you through all of this. He will guide you into all this truth. And at the end of the day, he's going to glorify Jesus. That's what the Spirit of God always does. So when you see the work of Christ in this world, the Spirit of God's at work. And think about the fact that the Spirit of God had his work cut out for him. Because why in the world would you choose to stake your eternity on a crucified Jew? Why would you do that in the Roman world? When you look at all the power of the Roman world, why would you stake your eternity on the claims of a crucified Jew? Well, the Spirit of God has taken the message of that crucified Jew and communicated that he wasn't just crucified, he has been resurrected from the dead to never die again. And that when he was crucified, he didn't just die on the cross, he died on the cross for you. And he is actually God in the flesh. And he is actually the son of God. And he is going to be the returning king of kings and lord of lords. So the spirit of God has guided us in this world in truth and has translated the ministry of Jesus to us so that we could understand who he really is. So let me just say this in conclusion. I'm so encouraged by that good news on what's happening around the world. But I just want to say this to you. Just wait. Just wait. Because guess what's going to happen? You know what's finally going to happen? Jesus Christ is going to return. This same guy, 
John, the same guy, was given this vision and he wrote it down. It's the last book in your Bible. And in that vision, he had a glimpse of heaven and saw really who God is and what God's doing. And he also was given this information that one day Jesus is going to return and he's really going to make everything right. And then guess what? He's going to set up a new heaven and a new earth and God will be unopposed. Can you imagine what God's doing right now in this old world with all the forces of darkness at work? One day, that new earth, God's going to be unopposed. You know what John said at the end of the book of Revelation? Even so, then come Lord Jesus. <laughs> Can you imagine what that's going to be like? Praise God. I can't, I can't wait until I see God unopposed. But until that day comes, I'm going to be sensitive to where he's at work opposing the forces of evil. And he's doing that right now. Praise his name. Let's pray together. <clears throat> well, Lord, we're grateful. We are grateful for what you're doing in this old world. And sometimes, Lord, as I said this morning, it feels, it feels like things have just gone awry. And yet we know you're at work. And we thank you for the power of the gospel and how your spirit's at work around the world. I pray, Lord, you'll give us wisdom to see you at work in our world, in our lives. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.